4: Well, that was fast. Within just days of Elon Musk announcing his intention to buy Twitter to give conservatives a little more freedom to speak our minds on just one of the big tech platforms, the Biden administration has announced the creation of a disinformation governance board, a brand new ministry of truth to make sure that misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, really anything that you and I want to say is not allowed to be said. Big Sister is watching. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz.
3: Mother's Day is right around the corner, and our dear friends at GenyCell have a special offer for all of those special ladies in our lives right now for a limited time, you can get 50% off if you go to genyacel.com slash cactus. This includes many products, but especially their ultra retinol cream. And for a limited time, let me show you this product. All qualifying orders will come with this, the new um, and improved immediate effects too, which is phenomenal because it works in as little as 12 hours. Now the ultra retinol cream is remarkable because it is powered by Genusel's proprietary technology, which combines the anti-aging effects of the meadow foam flower with the moisturizing effects of hyaluronic acid. So Genucel promises that you will look five years, 10 years, even 15 years younger, guaranteed, or your money back. Imagine how happy that is going to make the special mother in your life. Make this Mother's Day one that she will always remember. Go to genucel.com slash cactus to get 50% off. genucel.com slash cactus um, for a special gift for your mom that she will always remember. genucel.com slash cactus. Happy Mother's Day. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is brought to you by American Hartford Gold. Now, the new inflation numbers are out, and I think we can all agree they are incredibly depressing. The price of gas is way up. The price of housing is up. The U.S. national debt is way, way, way up. And unfortunately, given the way that our current administration prints money and spends money, experts don't see this going away, this inflation going away anytime soon. So how do you protect your money? Your savings, your retirement from inflation. Well, when times are turbulent, Americans like you turn to physical gold and silver. And American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by diversifying a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. And it's really easy to get started. All it takes is a short phone call, and they will have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door, or if you prefer, inside your 401k or your IRA. They make it easy. If you call them right now, then they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver, on your first order. So don't wait. Call them right now. Call 855 768 Or if you prefer texting, you can text the word CACTUS to 65532. Again, the phone number is 855 768 or text the word CACTUS to 65532.
5: Today's episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is brought to you by IP Vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Without added security, you might as well give all your private data away to hackers, advertisers, your internet service provider, and who knows who else. IPVanish helps you securely and privately browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private messages, passwords, emails, browsing history, and other information will be completely protected from falling into the wrong hands. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. Just for verdict listeners, IPVanish is offering an insane 70% off their annual plan. That's like getting nine months for free. You have to go directly to IPVanish.com cactus to get this 70% off discount. IP Vanish is super easy to use. Just tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. You can use IP Vanish on your computers, tablets and phones, whether you're at home or in public. Don't go online without using IP Vanish. Don't forget. Verdict listeners get 70% off the IP Vanish annual plan. Just go to ipvanish.com/cactus to claim your discount and secure your online life. That's IPVanish.com slash i s h.com/cactus. Welcome back to
4: Verdict with Ted Cruz. For now, until the Disinformation Governance Board uh, gets its way, you can subscribe to Verdict over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. For now, Senator, how much time do we have left?
6: Well, I don't know, but I just got an order from Big Sis that from now on, this podcast must be done entirely by singing Broadway show tunes. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> that is that is a fate worse than a cancellation big sis i suspect you're referring to is nina jankowicz the biden pick to lead the disinformation governance board uh, about whom i know only two things one she spread misinformation about the hunter biden laptop and two she loves singing
6: show tunes on camera and, and and to her credit, she's actually a pretty good singer. It, it's, it's a little bizarre and creepy what she sings, but, but she, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, is a professional or semi-professional singer, but she's this hard, knee-jerk leftist. And, you know, watching, number one, Secretary Mayorkas, who has presided over the most lawless cabinet agency in the history of our country, which the the Department of Homeland Security has decided we don't enforce the border. We let 2 million illegal aliens come in. The law means nothing to us. So now he's created this misinformation board in charge of fighting misinformation. And, And, you know, you pointed out he did it literally within hours of Elon Musk's buying Twitter. It is stunning. Listen, the left's ideas are crap. They cannot defend them. They don't want to defend them. They want to silence everyone who disagrees. Let me show you something amazing about Elon buying Twitter, which is Twitter accepted Elon Musk's uh, offer to buy Twitter on April 25th. The very next day, literally the next day, April 26th, my fil- new twitter followers skyrocketed yep. so i'm just going to read you the the daily count of it because it's stunning so on april 19th i gained 1713 followers april 24th 1486 april 25th the day twitter says yes to, to elon musk 1214 so consistently day after day i'm between a thousand and two thousand new followers The next day, what's your guess as to how many new followers I got the next day? I'm going to say it doubled, at least. On April uh, 26th, (laughs) 51,405. Oh, my god! On April 27th, 61,251. On uh, April 28th, 70,584. The level of shadow banning, it, it's as if, and by the way, this is true for conservatives across the board, that they're seeing their numbers. Mine literally went from 1 to 2,000 a day to 50, 60, 70,000. I've gone from 4.8 million followers to 5.1 million followers in a week. And all it took was Elon buying it.
4: This The same thing has happened with me. I am not a United States senator. I have not run for president. I am but a humble podcaster. I've gained at least 100,000 followers in the, what is it, a week since Elon took over. It, it's been something like a clip of 20,000 per day. So either that means that they've unleashed the bots, uh, which I don't think it is, by the way, because nope. my engagement on Twitter is up. Uh, I'm I'm seeing new people, new blue checkmark people who are ostensibly verified human beings. It seems as though, because don't forget, this deal hasn't even gone through yet. So it's yeah. just the the threat that Elon is going to buy it. It seems as though this has lifted a major shadow
6: banning of conservatives. You know, it's, it's like they're sitting there running the shredders going – Oh, crap. They're going to find out all the stuff we've done. (laughs) Shred it all. Turn the algorithm off. And then. Within hours, the Biden administration announces we have a new board to fight misinformation. I got to tell you, I had. So this week I've had two hearings where I've asked Biden officials about this. First of all, I had a foreign relations committee hearing with the deputy secretary of state because. okay, so Mayorkas got popped on Sunday about this and he says, no, no, no. This is not to go after American speech. This is all about foreign speech. This is foreign disinformation mm. only. Now, mind you, this office is not at the U.S. Department of State. It's at the Department of Homeland Security. It's directed at Americans in the homeland. But their mm. talking point is, no, 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 this is only foreign disinformation. So I asked the Department of State today, the Deputy Secretary of State, I said, it so happens there actually is a long-standing office at the State Department whose statutory mission is to fight disinformation abroad from foreign governments. And it's funded, Congress just funded them $150 million. Its statutory mission is exactly what these clowns are claiming the new office is going to do. So I asked the State Department, gosh, did anybody talk to you about this? No. Do you know anything about it? No, I have no idea. Is it concerning to you that they've announced a, a new office that they are claiming is doing the same thing your existing office is doing? I have no idea. Nobody consulted us. We know nothing. So that was lie number one. Number two, we also had Pete Buttigieg, the secretary of transportation, testifying before the Senate today. And I asked him about this and, and, and I said, look, I read a quote from the presidential campaign where he gave he waxed poetically about free speech is wonderful it's incredible it's what makes america america i value free speech when i was a soldier fighting for america the flag on my shoulder it represented free speech it was you know he's a pretty eloquent guy and i read the whole quote i said you know gosh i i agree with every word of that that that's beautifully stated do you still agree with that do you still agree with free speech yes well, then why did the Biden administration announce an office, the Ministry of Truth, to silence people who disagree with you? And he immediately backtracks. He's like, well, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, well, come on. I mean, you're, you're aware of this, right? And he's like, well, um, well, well, I, I, I don't know. But it's to stop disinformation, to stop Russian disinformation. Mm. I said, really, like Hunter Biden's laptop? is is that what you mean by disinformation? And he's like, "Well, I I don't know anything about Hunter Biden's laptop." It's like, "Oh, really?
4: Nobody seems to know anything about Hunter Biden's laptop, do they?" Well, and and in this case, the, the woman who's going to be running the Ministry of Truth here for Biden used that specific example. So this is not just a hypothetical. She said the Hunter Biden laptop was a case of Russian disinformation. And so presumably this board would have completely wiped away that news story had big tech and the the establishment media not already
6: done that for them two years ago. Now, that's exactly right. And and, and as you know, the talking point, there, there were 50 former leaders from the intelligence community community that put out a letter when Hunter Biden's laptop broke that said this has all the classic signs of Russian disinformation, which we've learned now is code for this is really bad for the Democratic presidential nominee. But we now know that letter was an outright blatant lie. We know the talking point that 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 I don't know whether we should call Nina the the, the minister of truth or the commissar. Yeah. I, I'm kind of on the <laughs> fence as, as to what her totalitarian title should be. Um, but she was out there pushing, this is Russian disinformation, and that's an utter lie. And leftists define as disinformation anything that is inconvenient with for them, anything yeah. they disagree with, and especially – Anything that is politically damaging, they call disinformation. And, and this is the Biden administration nakedly getting getting caught with with their hand in the cookie jar to mix my metaphors pretty badly. I'm going to upset my Yale colleague here with, with, with that rather mangled uh, illusion. That
4: is exactly the kind of thing that the new censorship board is going to censor, the mixing of metaphors. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. There's a little silver lining in that storm cloud. Uh, Senator, the White House has given two examples of of the kind of thing that the board is going to shut down. That is calls to violent extremism and, as you say, foreign disinformation, specifically Russian disinformation. And the problem, it would seem to me, is that the White House accuses everything that Republicans say of being a call to violent extremism or Russian disinformation. So uh, we're joking about it. It's absurd, and it's funny to make fun of this this power-hungry lady and and the whole Biden administration. But what are they going to do, and what are we going to do about it?
6: Look, it, it, it is so bad that this week Jake Tapper from CNN was forced to go on TV and acknowledge... Yeah, she does really seem to be a partisan where she echoes the Democratic talking points and she's skeptical of everything Republicans say. And there's a clear political bias in her take on things. Now, when Jake Tapper, who has become a mouthpiece for the hard left, he didn't used to be, but he's become that. When even he says that, like, holy cow. So what are we going to do about it? Listen, I think one thing we're doing about it, we're doing right now, which is just shining enough of a light on it. That it prevents them from going forward. I do think you're seeing the Biden administration backpedaling. Uh, there's been mm. enough of a blowpack. I actually think labeling it the Ministry of Truth is, is really powerful because, look, obviously, there are communist regimes that have ministries of truth and, and that throw you in the gulag for daring to speak other than the, the, the government line. And calling this out for what it is, my hope is that that, that, that we, you know, cut it off right at the beginning. Um, if not, then there's a reason why I asked about it twice this week to two different Biden officials, because I want to keep the pressure on. I want to keep the light on. I want to force them to defend this, this ridiculous abuse of power. Um, and if they continue to try to go forward with it, Uh, next year, I believe we're going to have majorities in both the House and Senate. We ought to use the majorities in the House and Senate to cut off the funding and to shut it down because the government has no business silencing what the American people say.
4: I don't think the timing is coincidental. It's just too perfect right after, we've been joking about it, but I think think it's legit. Right after Elon Musk announces this, you get the announcement from the White House. So then turning to Musk, do you think this deal is going to go through, one, and two, what does that mean for conservatives on social media, whether we're talking about how the other big tech platforms are going to react or wh- whether we're talking about how the government is going to react? Joe Biden is already talking about <laughs> clamping down on Twitter the minute they free up speech for conservatives.
6: Yeah. And, and by the way, the European Union is, is, is rattling its swords and reminding Twitter, we have rules to follow. Um, Look, I think the deal is going to go through. I don't know for sure. I don't know the inside details of the deal. But, but Elon seems very committed and certainly vocally committed. The board has accepted it. According to the public reporting, he had financing locked down. The financing may change in terms of the mix of debt and equity. That wouldn't surprise me. But it certainly seems like it's going forward. Um, you know, I will say there is an irony that Elon Musk has suddenly become the champion and the defender of conservatives. Elon vocally supported and voted for Barack Obama not once but twice. Uh, you know, right. Joe Rogan, the other person who's become, they may be the two most important people concerning free speech in the entire country, Joe Rogan and Dor- Dorse Bernie Sanders. So neither one of them meets the, the standard definition of a conservative. But... They both appreciate liberty. They both value free speech. You know, it spoke volumes. I don't know if you saw last week a, a journalist at Time Magazine, and I put journalist in, in scare quotes, uh, said that free speech is an obsession of rich white guys. Like, the today's corporate media wants to silence everybody except themselves. They want to have a monopoly on speech, only the corporate media and only big tech. And I know you've seen the meme that 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 Elon tweeted out, which I think is incredibly accurate, that it showed him previously where you had the right, the left, the center, and it had him left of center. And then what it what it showed was the left running full speed to the left. And suddenly the center moved. So he was right of center. But in the meme, he hadn't moved an inch. It's just the crazies had taken over the Democratic Party. By the way, Bill Maher's in the same boat where where these are old school liberals that that just happen to believe in actual liberty. And and that uh, in today's Democratic Party, that is not only not the mainstream anymore, that is a heretical view that must be demonized and quashed. What do you think the electoral politics
4: of this look like? Do you think that this plays for Democrats? Do you think this this Ministry of Truth is going to help them in the midterms, whether through the operation of the agency or just through the public perception of it? Or or are they stepping on a rake here?
6: I think they're stepping on a rake. But a word you use there that is important and that we don't know yet is is operation. Like Hmm. whether this board will actually have any legal power or authority if they engage how they intend to engage, if it's just a, look, an example, an example we've talked about early on when it happened on this podcast was Dr. Fauci in emails asking Mark Zuckerberg to silence and censor any discussions of the origins of COVID-19 and in particular discussions that it had, had, had escaped from a Chinese government lab in Wuhan and we talked about two years ago this podcast walked through exhaustively the evidence that suggests and suggests overwhelmingly that COVID-19 escaped from a Chinese government lab in Wuhan. Zuckerberg was more than happy to comply. He said, yes, we will censor it. We will keep it silent. Right. Um, I could see this board playing a similar role. And, for example, emailing Zuckerberg and, 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 F- and Facebook going along. Um, I don't know whether there are media outlets that will go along. Um, I feel confident Elon Musk won't go along, and it's why his buying Twitter is so important because it creates a significant avenue. By the way, one thing people may not realize as to why Twitter matters so much: so, so a tiny percentage of Americans actually listen, follow Twitter, um, and those that do skew pretty heavily left. If the world were the Twitter sphere. We'd all be screwed. <laughs> We'd be sunk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, AOC would be president. So, so I'm glad that the world is not the Twitter sphere. Um, now, some of that is is amplified by the shadow banning and practices. So, we may find out that the Twitter sphere is not as left as it appears. But most normal Americans are not on Twitter. The reason it matters. One of the reasons it matters so much is every reporter in the universe is on Twitter. And so yeah. I could tell you in politics, frankly, the way you get out a statement and get it out quickly is you go to Twitter and you put it out and it's an amazing thing. Look, Do- Donald Trump pioneered this in 2016 and I was on the opposing side and he, he captured how to use Twitter and just dominate the news within instances. And it's it is a wild thing that, that I will pull out my phone and I'll send a tweet. And within minutes, I can turn on the TV and see my tweet on the news, driving the news and driving messaging. That's part of why free speech on Twitter matters, because Mm -hmm. it influences everyone that has outlets of communication. Um, That's that that is potent for the overall public discourse. Right.
4: I I agree. It does set the news in a way that Facebook and YouTube and Google don't. I think that's why they are absolutely losing it, that Elon is promising conservatives a little more freedom. On this question of political speech, I am ashamed to say that I have neglected our verdict listeners, but I will do that no more. There's a question I really want to get to here in the mailbag. You, of course, can join Verdict Plus over on Locals, the Verdict Plus community, and you can subscribe to Verdict wherever you get your podcasts. This question comes to us from Al who says, Senator Cruz, how do you think the court will rule on Ted Cruz versus FEC? A question not only about political speech, but about a case that you are heavily involved
6: in. Yeah, no, it's a case I, I care a great deal about. Um, it is a case challenging, and, I, and I'm the, the name plaintiff. I brought the lawsuit. It is challenging an element of McCain-Feingold, which is uh, the big campaign finance law. It's a terrible law. One element of the law limits the ability of a political candidate to pay themselves back for loans they make to their campaign. And, and so it caps it uh, at paying yourself back to, at $250,000 is the most you can pay yourself back from funds received after the campaign. And so, you know, you have lots of candidates who who put their life savings into, into a campaign, and they may put 500000 or or more into a campaign. And McCain-Feingold says, well, tough, you're not allowed to pay yourself back. You've just basically given a gift to democracy, and doesn't it suck to be you? And right. by the way, the reason that Congress passed it, if you go look at the debates, It's an incumbent protection plan because one of the ways incumbents avoid being beat is their challengers can't raise any money and they don't have the name ID to raise money. And so what happens often is someone will invest their own money into the race. And it's it. It is how challengers get the initial oxygen to get their message out. Well, if you make it that, you know, Michael, you put your money into the race and and even if you win, you can't get it back and it's going to cost you. You might be willing to do it, but a lot of people are not. And so it's designed right. to protect incumbents from challengers taking them on. So I I brought a constitutional challenge to this provision. Um, I won a unanimous decision in the lower court. So a three-judge district court struck down this provision of McCain-Feingold. The appeal is pending at the Supreme Court. It's been briefed. It's been argued. We're waiting on the decision. I think the decision will be very soon. It could literally be any day now. I I, I think we're in the sweet spot of when the decision is going to come down. I am cautiously optimistic. I think the chances are good that we prevail. If the court addresses the merits, in other words, if the court answers the question, is this provision of law unconstitutional, I think the odds are extremely high we win. I, I, I think it is on the mm. merits we are very, very likely to win. There is some chance that we lose on a procedural ground. Uh, The Biden Justice Department had a procedural ground that was a technicality that was based on a factual mistake. But I will say at the oral argument, it sure seemed like John Roberts was fishing around trying to get some justices to basically throw the lawsuit out on the procedural ground. I don't know if he will succeed with that or not, um, but that's that's how the argument came across. So if they get to the merits, we are very, very likely to win, but there's some chance they punt it and avoid the merits altogether.
4: Perhaps I will be nicer to Chief Justice Roberts on this show for just the next couple of weeks uh, to make sure this thing doesn't get thrown out on procedural grounds, uh, because that, that will be an interesting fr- free speech case, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing it. Last question also has to do with the court. This is from Michael, who says, How do you believe the leak of the Alito opinion in the Dobbs case, how do you believe the Supreme Court leak will affect the midterm elections? And he has two hashtags. He says hashtag verdict, hashtag Cruz 2024. I'm just reading (laughs) the whole
6: message. So I don't know that the leak itself has a significant impact on the midterms. Um, I do think the leak is a manifestation of how the Democrats are destroying our institutions, trying to burn them down. And in particular, the degree to which the leftists are cheering it on and literally saying, burn it down. Um, I think that is beneficial for the midterms and in terms of people realizing the radicals really are in charge of this party. It's it's not unlike uh, the Antifa riots in terms of just showing that these guys are extreme and crazy. Um In terms of the underlying decision, I think what is likely to be more consequential in the midterm is the decision itself. And and if the majority opinion continues to be the majority opinion and if the outcome is that the court does strike down Roe versus Wade, I can tell you Democrats in Washington are holding on to that as their Hail Mary chance to save the midterms. They believe that people will be horrified and that will help them win. And I got to tell you, more than a few Republican senators are nervous that's the case. Uh, There are several of us who are conservatives who've been trying to make the case to the the nervous Nellies in our conference. It'll be okay. This is going to be fine. And I actually think it probably will not have much of an effect on the midterms. And to the extent it has an effect, it will be a positive effect. Here's why I think it will have less of an effect than the Democratic strategists think because the people who are most dismayed about that are hard leftists that are clustered in bright blue states like New York, California. Nothing's going to change in those states. At least for the immediate term, California is going to continue to allow unlimited abortion on demand. Roe versus Wade is if it's struck down, California ain't changing their laws until we get new elected officials in California. And so I think the kind of angry leftists many of whom are pretty ignorant and don't even know what overturning Roe means. I think a month afterwards they're going to be surprised. Wait, nothing about my life changed. Um, in other parts of the country that are not bright blue, in redder states, in, in states like Tennessee, states like Texas, you're going to see some meaningful restrictions on abortion. And it's going to vary state by state how, how extensive those restrictions are. Um, That was the framers view in the Constitution is to let the the, the rules in each state reflect the values of the citizens of those states. But in the redder states, there are fewer people that are going to be horrified by that. And I think you're going to have a positive effect of people in the pro-life community who have been fighting for this for 50 years being energized. And, And I am hopeful that that Being energized is going to cause them to turn out and vote at the polls, Uh, and I think that could lead to an even bigger majority in the House and the Senate uh, next year.
4: Right. That's a great point, because not only is nothing going to change in terms of abortion law in the most pro-abortion places, but... Even if something did change and the Democrats were irate and steam were coming out of their ears, nothing's going to change about whom they're electing. Nothing's going to change about the members of Congress or the senators or, or anything else. Uh, that is a hopeful note to end on, Senator. That uh, that this this case might not only come out with a good end for the pro-life movement, but uh, also might not hurt us at the polls. Frankly, it might even might even help us. Before we go, we've got to bring on our friend Liz Wheeler because you're not done yet, sir. We've finished our episode, but you've got an episode of Cloakroom coming up. Liz, what are you going to talk about?
3: Hi Michael, hi Senator Cruz. I know that we've been talking about this leaked draft majority opinion from the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade or it, it- at least it does in this draft opinion. Um, You guys have talked about it a lot. We've heard about it a lot, but there are more details that need to be discussed. So we are going to do a little investigative dive into who exactly might have leaked this opinion, how this might have happened, and whether the Supreme Court actually will overturn Roe v. Wade. So join us on the cloakroom on Verdict Plus. You can go to verdictwithtedcruzcom slash plus if you use my promo code, which as always is Cloakroom. You can watch for free for a month on your annual subscription. That is verdictwithtedcruise.com slash plus. And your promo code is Cloakroom. It's going to be quite the discussion. I hope you'll join us.
6: So so, so, so Michael. Yes, Senator. In in, in honor of Big Sis, will you close us on a show tune? (laughs) (laughs) Senator, I absolutely will. And do you know why? Because
4: I feel pretty and I feel witty. I feel pretty and witty and gay and I pity any podcaster who isn't me. Today, I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz.
5: This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation.
0: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.